stand for the reading of the word. We're going to turn in our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. What a privilege it is to be together again, to worship the Lord with the family of God, to pray, to give together, to hear the word of the Lord together. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. This is immediately following the last time that they were physically together with Jesus Christ after he had ascended into the heavens, disappearing out of their sight. The Bible says in verse 12 of Acts 1, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. Let's go ahead and skip on down to verse 14. Verse 13 lists 11 disciples of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, and these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Verse 15, and in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of names together were about 120. Chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all, someone say all, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The next verse is it describes people that came and noticed what was going on, people that were from all over the place. The Bible says that they were curious as to what was going on. Peter began to preach beginning in verse 14. He was standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. He tells them that this is a fulfillment. What they see and hear is the fulfillment of what Joel prophesied in Joel chapter 2. He goes on and he concludes his preaching or his comments. In verse 36 it says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Bible says in verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. In chapter 3, verse 1, we find that Peter and John are going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. They encounter a man that had been lame since his birth, and they see the man healed by the power and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And then they go on to preach to the onlookers that gathered in response of this great miracle. The Bible says in chapter 4, verse 1, Acts chapter 4, verse 1, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold, or jail, until the next day. For it was now eventide, howbeit many of them which heard the word believed and the number of the men was about 5,000. Somebody say amen. Amen. I feel led of the Lord to preach from this title, how many here? How many here? Amen. Would you pray, your, pray with me right now? Maybe lay your Bibles down to free up your hands and let's pray together and ask the Lord to speak to us his word. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege we have to gather together in this place. We are believing together that we are going to hear your word, your voice spoken to our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the rich pleasure and privilege that we have to 
Feel your spirit move in this place as we have lifted up our voices and our hearts in worship and in praise. Lord, I believe that you are here and that you desire to speak to your people. You desire to speak to our hearts. And Lord, it's going to come from your word. Help me to, as the messenger, to deliver the word as your spirit leads. Let it be for your glory, for our good. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Look at somebody not too far away from you. Make eye contact with them and ask them this question. How many here? How many here? God bless you. You may be seated. Since we don't have projection, I created my own title slide. How many here? Let me um, let you in on a little secret. This past Thursday, I was while I was teaching, I made mention that oftentimes churches, ministers and saints alike, often we solely emphasize and celebrate quantitative or numerical growth within the local congregation. And unfortunately, we do it so much so that it can cause the undermining of the importance of qualitative or spiritual maturity growth in the same assembly. We celebrate numerical growth sometimes at the expense of celebrating or not celebrating for the lack of spiritual maturity. And of course, this past Thursday, I preached to you from the title, Grow Up. Look at your neighbor and say, Grow Up. And once again, some of you enjoyed saying that to your neighbor way too much. Of course, we must have both. It is the will of God for us to have both quantitative and qualitative growth, numerical growth and spiritual maturity. A healthy church is growing in holiness and spiritual maturity and understanding of the scriptures as well as growing numerically. I believe that a healthy church, as the first church did and saw the number of disciples added to the church daily, multiplied. Amen. How many here? So the secret that I'm going to let you in on that often exists among ministers, of which I am one, there's been more than a few services where I, during, or at the very least, immediately after service, I can't hardly help myself. But I look around and I notice who's here. And I notice especially who's not here. As my wife and I, many a times over the past 17 years, unwind and debrief from a Sunday or Thursday church service, it almost never fails. Something along these lines will be said. So-and-so wasn't there today. The fill-in-the-blank family was missing. Did you hear from so-and-so? I noticed that they didn't show up to church today. Of course, sometimes my wife's like, oh, yeah, they texted me or they called me and told me that they weren't going to be there. Of course, I am striving to be a good shepherd. And did not J Jesus tell us that the shepherd will leave the 99 and go after the one? And of course, what would lead to him doing that if he did not pay attention to who wasn't there? Right? So I reason with myself thinking that this mindset that I'm vulnerable to is not all bad, right? I keep in mind, of course, that Jesus gave us three examples, not just the shepherd and the one lost sheep and the 99 that were, that were intact. But he also goes on not only to talk about the shepherd that searches for the sheep who was lost and knew it but didn't know how to get back, but he also referred to the lady of the house who searches for the co coin that was lost and didn't even know it was lost. And then thirdly, the father who waits patiently for his lost son who knew he was lost and also knew how to get back. 
and I want to know the difference in dealing with each soul and how to handle it. There were times earlier in ministry that the potential was very, very real for me that I could allow noticing who was not there take away from rejoicing and ministering to those who were there that did show up, that are faithful, at least for that particular service. During the service itself, I, I would catch myself saying things like, bless God, where two or three are gathered together. The Lord is here in the midst of us. I know we only got two or three here tonight, but the Lord is here, praise the Lord. Of course, comments like that end up just pointing out and discouraging the obvious to everybody else in the room that knows what I'm referring to. I would question whether or not I should even preach the message that I had prepared and prayed over that was on my heart. I would question whether or not I should preach that message on that particular service because I noticed that so-and-so wasn't there. And a group of people that needed to hear this weren't there. As though God, who was supposed to give me the message in the first place, he didn't know they weren't going to show up for this service. And then after service was over, I'd find myself having a little bit of a pity party, sulking over how many or who was not at church, instead of celebrating over the faithful, celebrating over the people that got up, got ready, and got themselves to church. The fact of the matter is, though, we can't hardly help ourselves. Because though I'm admitting that I fall victim to this, the truth of the matter is, is probably 99.98% of the room has also fallen victim of this. We look around and we see how many here? How many here? Now, I do want to point out the fact that it's not entirely a bad thing if we choose not to make it one. In fact, noticing who's here and who's not here, if used correctly, it could become a positive attribute in our lives that can cultivate increased accountability among ourselves. Counting how many are here is something that they did all throughout scriptures, Old and New Testaments alike, in the passages of scripture that I read in your hearing today. We find that there were the 120. We find that there were the 3,000. We find that there were 5,000. In fact, there's an entire book in the Bible called the book of Numbers. So counting is not entirely a bad thing. Counting on who could be counted on, counting on who is here and who's not here is not entirely a bad thing. In fact, I want to admonish you with this. If you, if you, which are spiritual, will give you all the benefit of the doubt today. All of you who are spiritual, if you happen to notice that someone is not here, then take that as a sign that maybe you should do something about it. You should make a call, send a text, make a visit. You should show love or encourage someone that is not here that God opened your eyes to notice they're not here or they haven't been here for a while. Instead of ignoring that nudge that you feel in the spirit. Because it's not only the pastor's responsibility, it's the church. It's the church. Now, while we want everyone to be here, of course, this is a little bit of an interesting subject to talk about while we know good and well that there are dear brothers and sisters of the Refuge Church that have not been able to join us yet, but that have been faithful watching. In fact, some of them are watching the service right now. And while we want everyone to be here with us, we must understand that there is a more important number that is being counted. Whether we have 10, 100, or 1,000 in the building, we can fairly easily notice and count that number. Please don't do it right now, but if you want, you could look around the room and you could go ahead and tally every head that is here today. You could fairly easily count that number for us, for man. That's us. To see what is outwardly apparent is quite easy. In fact, it's quite natural. It's what we do. We see what is outwardly apparent. But God, God is also counting. You could guarantee it. 
and he counts very, very differently. His question sounds exactly the same as our question that man asked, but it is very different. In the book of Revelation, the Lord sent seven letters to seven churches of Asia. Messages, messages of commendation, of rebuke, of instruction, and seven times to seven different churches. In those seven letters, we find in those scriptures the following words are written and recorded for us. Revelation 3.22 is one of those seven examples where it says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. While we ask how many hear, God is asking how many hear. How many hear? When Jesus was asked, what is the first, or in effect, what is the greatest commandment ever given of all the law? Jesus replied with what is commonly known among the Jews as the Shema. The Shema. He says in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, after being asked what is the first commandment, Jesus answered him saying, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, and we know this to be true. We know this to be right. Again, this commandment is referred to by the Jews as the Shema. The word Shema is a Hebrew word translated into the English language as hear. They refer to the first and the greatest commandment among all the 616 commands of Old Testament scripture and law. The greatest and the first above all the rest, the first commandment they refer to as hear. Hear. Yes, we know that it refers to that, that the fact that God is one, that he is one Lord, and that we should love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But when they refer to that commandment, they simply use one word, hear. Because if you cannot hear, it doesn't matter what comes next in the command. If you cannot hear, if you do not hear, then it doesn't matter what is said next in this first and great commandment. So God does not simply look for how many are here today, but rather how many hear what is being said today in the spirit and from the word of God. Let me tell you, counting how many hear is not confined to a building. It's not nearly as black and white, as easily uh, accounted for as us just looking around a room and, and tab tabulating how many heads are here, how many persons are in the room. No, no, but it's not only confined to this room, but we know that according to the book of Acts, we read that when persecution came against the church and it scattered the church, the believers, they went everywhere, all over the map doing what? They went everywhere preaching the word of God, whether in synagogues or homes whether in streets or in jail cells, whether in courtrooms before beggars or governors to a single soul in a wilderness like Philip did or to the multitudes like Peter and John before three and five thousand people, we find that they preach the word to all who would hear. Well, we could count how many people are in the room and we will celebrate how many souls are here today in our audience. The fact of the matter is we cannot accurately count how many here today in this room are hearing the message that God is trying to communicate to the church. Furthermore, we can't count. We can't count how many people are going to hear this message through modern technology, whether by video or audio recording. This message is going not only throughout the Quad Cities, but throughout North America and the world. And somebody somewhere will get the video recording, get the audio recording of this message. And we don't know about it. We won't know it perhaps till heaven is our home, permanent home. And we will know how many here today. Somebody say amen. We're thankful for the limitless capacity and potential of the preached and taught word of God when it is spoken from our lips. You see, the disciples, the believers of the early church went everywhere preaching the word as if they knew something that maybe here today we ought to be reminded of. 
faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And if the only way that a soul can be saved is by grace through faith, and faith comes by hearing, then the church must never stop speaking. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. The church must never stop speaking. The church must never stop speaking. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. And the only way to be saved is by grace through faith. Somebody say amen. But the hard truth still exists. Ears do not guarantee hearing. When the disciples asked Jesus why he spoke in parables to the people, Jesus said in Matthew 13, verse 13, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled what was said by the prophet Isaiah, which says, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. Listen very carefully in verse 15 of Matthew 13. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. The thing that is stopping them from being healed is because they do not hear, and they do not see. But Jesus said in Matthew 13, 16, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and blessed are your ears, for they hear. You see, those who are receptive to spiritual truth understood the illustrations or the parables which Jesus spoke. To others, they were mere stories without meaning. But to those who had a spiritual hunger for truth, they were clarifying teachings that Jesus was giving to reveal spiritual mysteries. He said that people that are hard of hearing, it's due to the spiritual state of their heart. The King James says that their heart is waxed gross. <laughs> so we might say, to improve our hearing, we must get rid of the gross wax. That gunk that has gotten you into some kind of funk that has turned off your ears. There are a few things more disgusting than a really dirty uh, Q-tip. I clean my ears after every single shower. That's probably unhealthy. Every once in a while, I'll do it with a Q-tip. Usually it's just some tissue. You, you want to hear the routine? And listen, when I get that Q-tip in there and I get it all clean, I hide that thing. I don't care. I don't care if it's in the garbage. I'm going to bury it under more garbage. I'm going to get that gross wax so that nobody has to see. And listen, some gross wax is causing some of us and for people to be dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. Maybe the reason we cannot hear. Yes, we may be in the room. Yes, we may be in the same crowd today hearing the same message, but it's not quite connecting. We look across the aisle. We look across the room, and during our time of altar call or the time of response to the message, we see some people move to tears. We see others lifting up their voice. We see others celebrating and praising God and physically and emotionally and spiritually stirred. But sometimes, have you ever been there? church family where you feel like everybody can hear they're hearing something that you're not hearing they're feeling something that you're not feeling you, you, you hear people talk about reading the word and how the word comes to life and the word is exciting but every time you read the word you fall asleep you know that perhaps there was at one time in your life when you couldn't hardly stand it, you couldn't wait to get, get to church, you couldn't wait 
for the singing to be over to hear the preaching and the teaching of the word. You couldn't wait. In fact, when service was over, you were aching for more. But somewhere along the line, you have gotten to the point where you're looking at the watch multiple times during a service and, and you're tapping your foot and you're becoming fidgety and you're ready to get out of the building. You're tired of hearing the same song even though it seems like they haven't sang it for a month. You feel like you've heard it sung multiple times and you're tired of the same song. And it's not the right song. You're blaming the song leader. You're blaming the preacher. You're blaming everything else. You're blaming the temperature in the room, the lack of air circulation in this room that I am currently really feeling. But listen, I know that these are kind of uh, first world problems here. But listen, I've been in rooms that were no better than a tin can somewhere in the banks of Africa. And I've seen people give themselves to hearing the word. I've been in the Dominican Republic in a poor Haitian refugee village where the moment you stepped into the room, you were sweating, you were pouring sweat. But I saw people so hungry for the word of God. Listen, listen, in the same room, yeah, there were some people that couldn't hardly stand staying in service. And they couldn't wait to get out of service and service was dismissed. But I saw people just like are here today that are tapped in, that are focused in, that are all ears, that have their heart open and saying, speak to me, speak to my soul, because I want to hear what the Spirit says to the church. Oh, hallelujah. But you see, sometimes we might have gross wax that has been built up in our lives, our hearts and our ears, and we are so clouded with noise and noise and noise and noise that we have drowned it out, the voice of the Lord that is calling our name. In fact, the Lord is here today calling your name. Let me share with you just a brief thought and move on. What if? Everybody say, what if? What if? What if? What if you and I had zero, nada, nothing, zelf, nothing, the zelf a word, I don't know. Zero, zero access to the internet. Zero access to television. Zero access to cable, radio, social media, text messages. Nothing, nothing. And the information that you and I received was only from face-to-face -face interactions with people and things that we gained through prayer and through reading the word of God. Do you think, do you think that there would be a heightened sense of frustration or a heightened sense of peace? What if I miss out? What if I don't know what's going on? Let me tell you, a lot of times it's just noise. It's just noise. And it's not the voice of the Lord. It's not the calling of the Spirit. It's not the Word of God trying to get a hold of our hearts. And I believe that we put on ourselves more than we were ever intended to handle. I want you to think about this. We could in a moment, we could in a moment hear about events and see with our eyes things of tragic, tragic proportions that happen all over the world, all over the world. We could see them live when they happen. Some of you, you have seen videos of actual people dying. And yes, we, there, there is a certain sense and a certain uh, positivity that comes from it of us being aware of these things and being able to cry out against injustice. But let me tell you, just some ponderings that are going through pastor's mind. Sometimes I wonder if we were ever intended or created to take upon all of the sorrow and the tragedies and the mess and the chaos and the anarchy that's going on in the world and feed it into our brains on a daily basis. And we wonder why we are feeling with stress and hurt and pain and sorrow and anxiety. Why? Why do we feel the way we do? It's because we've got the noise and we don't hear the voice of the author of peace and the author of faith and the author of joy in our soul. We don't know why we can't hear God anymore. It's because we hear so much other stuff. Let me tell you how much I love it. I love it when people assume that I saw what was posted on Facebook and social media just because it was posted. Are you kidding me? It would do us good to disentangle ourselves from the junk that is corroding our hearing, the gross wax. The word, this word, is for someone listening today to this message. Disconnect. 
Stop allowing yourself to become so tangled up and caught up with the absolute chaos and the mess. I'll admit, it's chaos, it's mess out there. It's sick with sin, I'll admit it. But we are being coming so tangled up with it and it's being propagated. Listen, it's being propagated through social media and through politics and news and they are trying to add fuel to a fire instead of us putting it out with peace and love and the joy of the Lord. They are fueling a fire that wants to cause division and hurt. And here is where it places the church and the saints of God. While there are people outside these walls that are waiting to hear the gospel, which I will remind you the word gospel literally means good news. But instead, all we're doing is regurgitating bad news. We are called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and not continue to propagate the ugly, bad, messy, chaotic news of this world. Somebody, somebody lift up your hands right now. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many here today? How many here today? How many here? How many here today? How many hear the voice of the shepherd? How many hear the voice of the master who could calm the sea? How many hear the captain of our salvation calling us to bear up arms and put on the armor of God? How many hear the voice of our shepherd? Oh, refuge church, because God is speaking. I said, God is speaking. God is speaking and God he is talking about what he has in store for us, for, for you. 1 Corinthians 2, chapter, nine, chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. People haven't seen it. People haven't even heard the things that God has prepared and planned and purposed for people that love him. Now watch this, watch this. In verse 10, it says, but, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Uh, did, you, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Listen, the world doesn't know. People that are spiritually blind have never seen it. People that are spiritually deaf have never heard it. But listen, God has things in store for us. And he has things in store for you that has nobody has seen it before. Nobody has heard it before. But listen, you know it because his spirit is speaking to you. His spirit is searching you. His spirit is revealing these things to you. How many here? How many here? How many here? How many here like Samuel when he was just a boy and was introduced to the voice of the Lord? How many here like Samuel? What child? What young boy, young girl is in this room? What young boy or girl is a part of the refuge church that will hear like Samuel, the voice of the Lord? Doesn't matter that they're just a child. Doesn't matter that they're just a young one and, and they don't know when to be a part of conversation or not and they don't know when to clap or how to clap on beat. But listen, there's a boy like Samuel. There's a girl here that's going to hear the voice of the Lord. Oh, I'm telling you what, in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit Young men are going to see visions. His sons and daughters are going to receive the Spirit. They are going to see things. They're going to prophesy. Oh, hallelujah. How many here? How many here? How many here like Saul? Like Saul on his way to Damascus on that road, he heard a voice from heaven that brought revelation of how Jesus is the Lord and the purpose for his life. How many here today like Saul on that road to Damascus that in up to this point you have felt a little bit lost? You have felt like your life is lacking a little bit of purpose. But you know what? I believe that somebody here today is going to hear like Saul and God is going to bring revelation of who he is. He's going to reveal 
reveal himself and his identity to you. He's going to show himself strong and loving and caring and powerful. And he's going to pour into you purpose. He's going to order your steps. He's going to direct your paths. Your life can have purpose if you can hear like Saul did on the way to Damascus. How many here? How many here, like Elijah the prophet today, how many here, like Elijah, heard that sound of abundance of rain when it rained after three and a half years of drought and famine? Oh, praise God. I feel like we're about to come out of a dry season. We're about to come out of a long dry season because I hear the sound like Elijah of the abundance of rain. The sound that drove Elijah into an intense prayer meeting that would not lift until evidence was seen by those who served with them. I feel like somebody that's a part of the refuge church is going to hear like Elijah today. You're going to hear the sound of rain. You can't see it. It doesn't look like it's anywhere to be found on any part of the horizon, but you hear it in the spirit, and it's going to drive you to prayer, and you're going to keep telling people, do you see it yet? Do you see it yet? Do you see it yet? I know it's coming, and I'm going to keep praying till we see it, so just keep on praying, and keep on going, and keep on looking, because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Oh, hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord. We love you, Jesus. We need you, Lord God. How many, how many, how many, how many here? How many here like those gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? The sound of a mighty rushing wind that ushers in the unprecedented outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Yes, I know. Liz, if you talk to Peter and James and John and Andrew and those that were there that day, if you would talk to the 120 that were gathered together in the upper room of Jerusalem, if you asked them what their world was like and what was on the nightly news and what was being broadcasted on social media, they would tell you all kinds of hell and chaos and havoc, but I'm telling you what they... What they heard in an upper room was greater than what they heard in the streets and in the news. What they heard in the upper room preceded the unprecedented outpouring of the Spirit that was greater than anything that was against them in opposition. How many here? How many here? How many here? The Spirit of God is speaking. He is revealing the deep things of God. Maybe a better title to this message today would have been are you hearing what he's saying are you hearing what he's saying and let me tell you as I close you should hear what he's saying about you you should hear what he is saying about you one of my favorite one of my favorite examples of this is is when John the Baptist he's in prison he's awaiting his execution day He's on death row. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's on death row. Things look bleak. And he's questioning the, the, the value of his ministry. And he sends one of his friends to go find Jesus and ask Jesus, listen, are you the one that we said should come and we've been told that should come? Or should we look for another? And they went and they asked Jesus, are you the one? John has sent us to ask you if you're the one. And Jesus looked back at John the Baptist's friends and says something a bit strange and it even sounds a bit harsh. He says the eyes of the blind are open, the deaf ears are unstopped. Blessed is he that is not offended in me. And he sends them back on their way, almost like Hey, just look at what I'm doing, and, 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 and you should figure it out yourself. It's like, what? Yeah, I know what you're doing. I've heard all about it. And it seems a bit harsh. It, it doesn't seem very compassionate. Don't you understand that John the Baptist is rotting in a prison cell, waiting his death day, his, his death sentence? Well, come on, Jesus. But then Jesus, Jesus tells that to John's friends, but he turns around to his friends. He turns around to the disciples and the followers of, of him, and he says, listen, that John the Baptist, yeah, he's going to get his head lopped off here in just a day or two. But listen, there's never been a prophet greater than him. Every prophet that has ever preceded him, there's never been a greater one. He's such an awesome God. He's doing such great things. His ministry has reached far and wide and is fulfilled. 
You see, I wish you could hear what Jesus is saying about you. I know that sometimes you feel like your life is being wasted and nothing productive or fruitful is coming from your life. You feel like you're spinning your wheels and nothing good is coming of it. But I've come to tell you that Jesus has been talking about you and he's been talking about how much he loves you and how great a plan he has for your life. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's got big plans for you. Lift up a hand or both of them. Listen, Jesus is talking about you. And I'll tell you what, he's been convincing me and persuading your pastor that he's got big plans for the Refuge Church, that we've not seen the best day yet. We've not seen the greatest revival yet. He's been talking to me about some of you and telling me that you are a mighty warrior in prayer. And he's been telling me that you are a soul winner and you are capable of teaching home. Bible studies and you are capable of preaching the gospel and you are capable of leading a Sunday school class and you are capable of greater things than what I has seen or ear has heard let the spirit speak to you today let us he's been telling me that you're bigger than your addiction he's been telling me that you're greater than depression he's been telling me that you're going to break free of the cycle of sin that's plagued your life Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. How many here? How many here? I'm finished. How many here? How many hear what the Spirit is saying? How many hear what this preacher is telling you? How many hear what the Word of God is coming forth and trying to convince us of? The Lord is here. You might be here today in this room physically, but are you hearing what God is trying to tell you? Oh, would you bow your heads? Would you begin to pray and talk to the Lord? I love you, Jesus. Come on, God has been speaking, his spirit has been moving, and now it's time for us to begin to dialogue with him and begin to talk to him about the things that he's talking to us about. Oh, we love you, Jesus. If you're here and you've been hearing, I want you to now lift up your voice and start talking. Start talking. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I want you to let him know that you acknowledge his voice, that you acknowledge the moving of your spirit. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I need you right now, Lord. Have your way in this place. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are faithful. You are gracious. And I thank you for speaking to my soul today. There are awesome things that begin to happen when people will hear. The Bible records that it was the 120 that heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible records that they heard what Peter said. They were pricked in their heart and they got to hear that plan of salvation. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because they heard, because they received 3,000 were added to the church that day and were baptized in the name of the Lord. Peter and John went into the temple and they saw a man and that man was healed miraculously by the power of the name of Jesus and Peter began to preach and everyone that heard there were 5,000 people that gave their hearing to the word of God and they were added to the church I'm telling you tremendous and radical results come when people will hear hallelujah 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 how Jesus closed the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7 says these sayings of mine I'll tell you if you hear them and you do them I'll liken you to a man who built his house on a rock and when the storms came it could not though it tried it could not destroy the house because there was obedient faith that mixed itself with hearing, but without hearing, there would no, there would be no faith. How many will respond to the word right now? Over the next just few minutes, I know it's warm in here, but just for a few minutes, 
will someone reach through in a little bit of desperation and say, God, I want to respond to the word that I've heard today. I want you to make your area an altar. I want you to make your seat an altar and say, God, I hear you. You're talking about me. You're talking about your church. You're speaking to my soul. You're speaking to my family and my situation. Go ahead now, church, lift up your voice. Come on, could we take five minutes? Could we take five minutes in this room and lift up our voices all across this place? Lord, I love you. Someone here, maybe you felt like giving up before you walked in that door. You felt like throwing in the towel, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus has better things to say about you. His blood is speaking better things than the blood of Abel. Oh, hallelujah. His blood is speaking. His blood is speaking redemption and restoration. Come on, if you believe that this church is about to have revival, lift up your voice and begin to shout. Begin to agree with the Spirit. Begin to agree with what you're hearing in the Spirit. I love you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and all that you have spoken, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. Blessed be your name. Come on, how many here? I said, how many here? How many here like Elijah, the sound of an abundance of rain? How many here like Samuel, the voice of the Lord calling your name? How many here the sound of a rushing mighty wind that will fill all the house where we are sitting? How many hear it? How many here like Saul are desperate for revelation of who Jesus is? If you want to know who Jesus is, just listen, just listen, just listen. He is Lord. He is God. He is Christ. That's it, church. That's it, church. Let's make this room a house of prayer. Let's make this room a house of prayer.
now thank you Lord for speaking to us thank you for this time that we've had together thank you Lord thank you for the church family thank you for those that are gathered together in this place and those that are gathering Lord either live through video or later 
Lord, through the recording. Thank you for our church family and the work that you are doing in us and through us. We want to be vessels that are for your glory and for your honor. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would unstop deaf ears. Help us to hear your voice as we've never heard before. To hear more perfectly. To hear more clearly. And to obey your voice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did in this place today. Thank you for your spirit that was poured out and moved in our midst. Thank you for the offering, the tithes that were received that will be blessed and multiplied for your purpose and for your kingdom. Thank you for the church family, the family of believers that are washed in your blood and filled with your spirit. Thank you for those that you're adding to the church. We rejoice, Lord, over those that you are adding to the church that we have not even yet met. Lord, we give you glory. Lord, we give you honor and praise. We thank you, Jesus.